This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast as we begin what is a very, very busy week of sports in New York with the Knicks already rolling. And remember, the Garden will be flying Friday night, 8.30 for Game 3. Knicks get a kind of a free game in Game 2. If they win that, hey, I know that's asking a lot, but still, uh, they've already accomplished what they needed to accomplish in Cleveland. You got all the hockey getting going with all three teams involved. Uh, So uh, it's a good time right now. And right around the corner, you have the Derby. So uh, a lot going on. In sports, let's get to some emails and see what's on your mind. Uh, remember, you can send me your emails at mikefrancesapodcast at gmail.com. And for all your wagering needs, it's Rivers in New York and New Jersey. You play Sugar House in uh, Connecticut. And right now you got a lot to go flying through and look at and uh, play with. So you got plenty of action. All right. John starts us off. What's your feeling on Barrett, RJ Barrett? Uh, I think his ceiling may be capped. Well, I've never really been a fan. Um, I am energized by the Knicks. I do like this group. Uh, The Nova Knicks have changed things for me. Uh, Bringing in uh, first, bringing in Brunson, who is always a favorite of mine. And, you know, I've been very partial to those championship Villanova teams. And then bring in Harden, who has uh, made a big difference and had a great game one. I really, it just shows you uh, how important it is to have that kind of guy who can give you that kind of energy. Uh, and he's like a starter. I mean, you, you don't worry about who starts, it's who finishes. He's going to be there when it counts. And he does bring a cohesiveness. He brings a toughness. He brings a defensive mentality. He gets on the backboards. He's a ferocious rebounder. So uh, he makes a big difference. He really does. And you have now a go-to closer down the stretch in uh, Brunson who can make a big difference. As for Barrett, like I said, I've never really been a fan. Um, Tim and Morristown. It seemed like Randall was rushing some shots and plays in the fourth quarter. Uh, he scares me with his wild, erratic play, but what a great offensive rebound. Uh, all true. Randall has not in his career been a good playoff performer. He has never been a good fourth quarter player. He was not great in the fourth quarter. Considering he's coming off the injury, he had a pretty good first three quarters. He had a couple too many turnovers. But in the fourth quarter, he missed some shots. He did make a big three. And then he got one of the two offensive rebounds that were the reason they won. Let's be honest. That was the difference. Uh, Kept them in front. First was the Hartenstein rebound. And then the Randall rebound that led to the two Grimes free throws, which led to the icing, uh, the ball game. Those two offensive. And when you can get offensive rebounds, Nick's got 17 offensive rebounds against a team that has tremendous size. 
So, I mean, that was – we know the Knicks are a good offensive rebounding team. It showed. We know they are a bad three-point shooting team. It showed. you got to make threes in this postseason to get any kind of serious run going. Look at Phoenix last night. Didn't make threes. Got no contribution from the bench. And got very little in scoring out of the way of Paul, and they fall in game one uh, to the Clippers. So um, you have to, you have to get some three-point performance. Now, the playoffs took a little swing here with the injury in Milwaukee. So now we don't know the extent of Giannis's injury yet, but going out down on game one, which led to a Heat win. Heat also a dynamic from three. Um, and got a lot out of Butler, who was an, another guy who can get you a basket. See, in the fourth quarter of these playoff games, you have to have a guy who can get you a basket and can get to the foul line. It's critical. Critical because you have to have an answer. You, that you, there are going to be times... You're going to be bogged down in the half court, and you've got to get a score in that possession. It's critical. The Knicks didn't score a couple of times in those possessions, but they got the offensive rebounds. Last night, the Clippers didn't score a couple of times in those possessions, got the offensive rebounds. And Westbrook, who shot terribly last night, had a lot of intangible plays in that game, both ends of the floor. Patrick emails, uh, home seems like a shell of himself. We told you to be careful with that, that the uh, Yanks really didn't have a bona fide closer. Um, Does he bounce back or do the Yanks need to find another solution for closer? They may have to audition and go to more of a bullpen by committee. They do have candidates for the job. They also might be wiser to make it a situation, until Holmes shows you one way or the other what's going to be up. And let's be honest, he's got one out pitch. If he can't control that out pitch or he gets hit on that out pitch, it's over. They have options, live arms in the back of the pen. You might see a little more bullpen by committee, and you might see them run the hot hands. If a guy gets hot, ride him until he bucks you. When he bucks you, you ride somebody else. I mean, that might be the way it goes, uh, but let's be honest, they may be shopping. And when teams fall out of it, you go to the back of their pen and see what they have. And see if you can pick up a closer. Uh, the, the Mets could very well be in the same position this year as the Yankees, looking for, for back-of-the-bullpen closer-type help down the stretch. It's going to come at a premium, though. It's not going to come cheap. You're not going to get a guy in July who can actually help you in the back of the bullpen and get him for anything except an inflated cost. you got to understand that. So eyes have got to be open all year. And you got plenty of teams already, if they have a live arm, a bullpen, that you can see are going nowhere. Led by the A's, who I told you about before the weekend. And the A's gifted a couple of games to the Mets. The Mets polished them off the first night, scoring 17 runs. But after that, they gifted 
yesterday's game, and really two games to the Mets. It was a big home run by Alonzo, who obviously already is off to a tear in the home run department. Um, Jordan emails, where would you rank the Islander dynasty amongst the all-time dynasties? Um, Listen, it does not have the legs of the of really any of the great dynasties like the Yankees, the Canadians, the Celtics. Um, those dynasties have endured over generations. But for a span, their dynasty ranks with any. And in New York, it is extremely underrated. When you look at a team, that won 19 straight playoff series. Four cups, 19 straight playoff series. It is a remarkable, remarkable achievement. And, you know, that is very, you know, win three straight Super Bowls, you know, two straight Super Bowls, you win a lot of playoff games. Three straight Super Bowls, you win a lot of playoff games. Win the Yankees with Torrey. Won 14 straight World Series games. Another great run. And that has received incredible, that Yankee team has received incredible glory, incredible adulation. That's why I say the Islander run is underrated. It really is. But, I mean, it is without question, for any five-year period, one of the great runs of all time, 19 straight playoff series. Joseph, uh, you've been to both stadiums many times. How would you compare the fan experience at both City Field and Yankee Stadium? Uh, Our friends are split down the middle on the stadiums. Well, I think you're probably split down the middle based on being biased. Because to me, um, I do not like the feel of the new Yankee Stadium at all. I don't have any problem with their amenities. I don't have any problem with, you know, Legends Club, Delta Club. I mean, I, I sit in Legends a lot, so I, I don't have any problem with that. Why would anybody have any problem with, you know, free food? I mean, that's, and that's all it is down there. Um, it's like a wedding. Um, but what I don't like about Yankee Stadium is it has lost a lot of the qualities. Now, I understood, you know, Dog and I had the great debate, but – if you were using business as an example, then the overwhelming fight was over. They needed a new stadium. They needed a place that they could bring the technology and give the Yankee team amenities in their clubhouse, which they did not have and they demanded, and players demand, and, and players who were recruited demand, which they now have that they didn't have which was, you know, facilities underneath the, you know, stadium, but also great facilities in the clubhouse. And they had none of that. The amount of suites was an economic factor, but also when you're going to run a a network with your team like the Yes Network, you have to have technology. You have to be able to have trucks can be able to plug in and play. And that stuff comes with building new stadiums. The reason why there are new stadiums built everywhere if you say you're an NFL team or something, so is that the networks can come and just plug in. You don't understand what an old stadium brings in terms of technological 
hardship of being able to carry games out of the building. That is a huge factor now and a huge economic factor for these teams. So you have to have that kind of technology in these stadiums, which is why these stadiums will always revolving need update every 10 to 15 years because the technology is going to change that dramatically. These stadiums become obsolete by the time they're built on half of them from a technological standpoint. But as far as the experience, I think the Mets built a ballpark. I think the Yankees built a museum. I don't like the feel of the Yankee Stadium at all compared to the old one. It does not have any... uh, The old one was quaint. The old one was uh, forbidding for opponents. It was a factor in the games. This stadium is not. It's not nearly as loud. You're not on top of the action like you were in the other stadium. Uh, I like the Met feel from the, from the ballpark much better. I don't think the Mets have better facilities. I'd say facilities and clubs and that kind of stuff. I think the Yankees probably beat them 10 to 9 or 9 to 8. I think on sitting in the ballpark and feeling like you're in a ballpark, I think the Mets have them beat badly. I think during the game and viewing the game, I think the Mets... Uh, Stadium, I think the Mets ballpark is much, much friendlier and warmer than the new Yankee ballpark is. So I would say overall, I like City Field better. I don't particularly like the new Yankee Stadium. And I was a proponent to build one. And I understand the techno- the reasons why they needed to build one. And there are a million reasons. But they didn't build a great ballpark. And let's be honest, when it comes to building ballparks in the metropolitan area, and I think there are a lot of reasons for it, which we could go down, which there's no reason to sit here and talk about now, but there are a lot of reasons why. We do a terrible job. We are the biggest city in the world. We are the most important city in the world. And we never build a show place in sports. No one ever says, oh, you got to get to this ballpark in New York. You can say that about what they built in Atlanta. You can say about what they built in Dallas. You can say what they built in LA. You know what? Oh, you got to get to the ballpark. Atlanta is a gorgeous place. I've not been to the LA one yet. Dallas is a tremendous, tremendous stadium. I mean, it's a palace. I'm sure the new one in L.A. is too. I haven't been there. One in Atlanta definitely is too. Great place. Went there for the Super Bowl. We don't build places like that. We're the only, we are the, and I drove by uh, MetLife the other day because I was, uh, made a trip with uh, my family then, well, my wife and I, and my daughter went to Villanova. And I said, there's one of the few stadiums that was rebuilt where the old stadium was not only more popular, it was better than the stadium they built. That is the worst big stadium I think ever built. It's disappointing in every way. 
And it ruined the giant franchise because what it did to the fan base with the seat licenses and the moving of their real fans to different parts of the ballpark. So to me, they lost a lot. And that stadium had a complete impact. I'm not going to go into it, but that stadium had a, a huge impact on the fortunes of the Giants for a decade. They've come out of that now for the first time. But that's a big part of why they went into this spiral this downward spiral was the building of that ballpark, of that stadium. And that stadium is a complete disappointment. And I think one of the worst big stadiums ever built. Nobody likes it. If you're going to spend, you know, a billion and a half dollars, somebody should like your ballpark. Ben says, I don't know what it is, but I'm just not confident in the Mets. Well, I can give you a couple of reasons. The lineup leaves you wanting, okay? They have real holes at certain positions where they get no offense. And right now, their patchwork starting line, uh, starting rotation, and they don't have a great back of the bullpen because they lost their great closer. So the bottom line is that they're hurting. They're getting a good performance from a couple of guys. Uh, do I think they can be a championship team? I think they have work to do. I think they, uh, I really think they have work to do. I think that's being, I think that's being very fair to say they have work to do. Um, the Diaz injury clearly impacted the team. You knew it would. I mean, there's, uh, there's no way around it, but, they have some decisions to make at positions where they're not getting any offense. They have some, you know, serious decisions to make. And let them play. Let them see what they can do. But it's the same old story with them. Same old story. If they don't get, if they don't get offense from the middle of the, of the, middle of the lineup, if they don't get it, from Alonzo and Lindor, they don't get it. That's all there is to it. So when you have a team that is going to be that exceedingly top-heavy, where you have to get scoring and you have to get production every single time, you know, from the guys in the middle of the lineup. I mean, Alonzo's got eight home runs already. Look at the Mets. Alonzo has eight homers. Lindor has four homers. They have only two other guys on the team who have double-digit homers. I mean, who have two homers. Lindor and Alonzo have 30 combined RBIs. They don't have another guy who has double-digit RBIs. They have uh, Nimmo's got eight. Lindor's got 16. Alonzo's got 14. Alonzo's got eight homers and 14 RBIs. Lindor's got four homers and 16 RBIs. They don't have anybody doing anything except that. They have got to have some help. You cannot just say, our three, four got a hit or we're dead. And that's where they are right now, whether they're two, three, or three, four in the lineup, depending on the day, and usually three, four. The bottom line is you have got to get more than just production from two players. And they get everything out of two. I mean, Alonzo's got eight home runs. They have... No one on the team was, they have two guys who have more than two. 
Tampa's got like 10 guys who have three or more. Makes a big difference. There's not any length to the Met lineup and the back of the uh, rotation. You know what's going on with the starting pitching. They got to get Verlander back. They got to get Scherzer rolling. We know that. They also can't replace Diaz. There's no way humanly to replace Diaz. So it's an issue. There's no question. They're not the team that you thought they were going to be exactly. They're not a bad team, but are they going to be a team that's going to run to 101 wins right now? I don't think so. In most sports, random teams make playoff runs out of nowhere. Can the Knicks do that this season? I told you from the beginning I thought they could win the first series. I don't see them going past there. But I think I thought they would make a run that would get you interested. I'm hoping that first game is a great indication and they're going to win this series. I think you're going to have a night Friday night that you haven't had in years. It's going to be a throwback Friday night at the Garden. First of all, the game's at 8.30, so there's going to be a little fuel in the, in the building, if you know what I mean. It, it, you know, people are going to have been out to dinner. They're going to have uh, had killed a couple of hours. They're going, to, they're going to be enthusiastic, let's put it that way, on Friday night. That's going to be a loud, loud crowd anyway, but to then play the game at, you know, going to nine, it is going to be a wild crowd on Friday night. Plus, they already have been fueled by getting a win and looking to really take a stranglehold on the series. We don't know what's going to happen in game two yet. Uh, but let's be realistic and say Cleveland wins it. They still come back 1-1, and the place is going to be crazy Friday night. Absolutely crazy. I think they can win this series. Okay. Now, I don't know if things are going to get crazy and, and there's going to be upheaval because of the honest injury. That could open the door in the next round. Let's wait and see. Uh, Cole looks great. What do you make of his thought? What I make of his thought is, and I'm not a Cole guy. I admit that. I don't like Cole. I didn't want Cole. I think he's been overrated in the big game, but... Right now, this year, so far, he's been the best pitcher in baseball, I think. I think for the first couple of weeks of the season, um, so far, he's been perfect. What can you say? Throws a complete game yesterday. Um, I think he's been perfect. So I think he's off to as good. I mean, what could you say? There's nothing bad to say about his start. You can't be any better than he's been so far. He's been uh, been great. He's been absolutely perfect. So... He's off to a flying start and looking every bit the, you know, every bit worth the money and every bit the ace. That's what he was brought here to do. That has not always been the case, though. And do I trust him in the big game? I know I'm hard on him, so I think I'm a little too hard on him, but I don't trust him completely. I really don't. He's got good stuff. No one can quibble out. He's going to strike guys out. But there's too many times where in the big game, the game that is emotional, I've seen him give up the big home run. I've seen him give up the big lead, you know? Um, so I worry about him a little bit. I have to admit, I'm, I'm not as high on him as most Yankee fans. Let me put it that way. But I think that's true of this team too. I don't love this Yankee team. I've been very open about that. And I haven't for years. I don't like some of the moves they made. I don't like the way the team is built in some regards. 
My favorite guy on the team is Rizzo. Has been since he got here. That is the case. He's, he's my favorite guy. That's all there is to it. But listen, right now, um, I think we all know, we all know that, you know, Tampa's off to a fast start. Yankees are fine because, you know, at 10 and 6, they're, you know, Mets and Yankees have the same record at 10 and 6. The Yankees are four games out, but you're going to be behind a team that's 14 and 2. They're not going to keep up that pace. They did lose two out of three this weekend. Um, the meaning Tampa. Um, Yankees are off to a 10 and 6 start, which is 625 baseball, which wins you the division. Um, they bounce back well in the Twin Series. Twins are not a bad team. They got good pitching. They didn't hit the good Yankee pitching. They didn't hit the last two games. Um, they're not really hitting overall, except that first inning aside where they scored 11 runs. Um, but I think the Yankees have gotten off to a very representative start. There's nothing to be, you know, worried about right now or to be concerned. You know, there's... As far as their position in the league, I'm not worried about anything. I know they're going to go to the playoffs this year. Do I think they can beat Houston? Now, Houston hasn't gotten off to a very good start. That doesn't worry me. I think Houston's still the best team. I do think Yankees have some uh, questions they have to answer. They have some, some positions they have to figure out. You know, we have to see certain things at certain spots. And the back of the bullpen could be an issue. And for the Yankees, in very few years has it been an issue. But this year, it could be an issue. We'll have a busy week of stuff. We'll be with you after game two of the Knicks. It's kind of a free game for the Knicks. Not a lot of pressure, you know. Expecting them to win both games on the road might be a little much, but they already got the one they had to have. So at worst, they're coming back to the Garden Friday night at 1-1. If they come back 2-0, we'll love it. But, uh, uh, you know, that's a lot to ask. But uh, we'll give you a postmortem on game two for the Knicks. And we got a lot of other action going on, a lot of things going on. Uh, so uh, it's a busy time, and uh, check. We'll have plenty of podcasts up, so enjoy your week. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan, and you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today, wherever you get your podcasts.